good evening and welcome to Monsters Among Us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. Good evening to all you little monsters out there. To say I'm excited for tonight's slate of calls would be an understatement. And I'm not sure how I did it, but I managed to shove an official slew of entries into tonight's nightmare-inducing broadcast. So I hope you've read it yourself. But before we dig into this smorgasbord of spooky stories, I keep forgetting to do this, and it took Flora yelling at me to remember. If you're one of the amazing souls that donated to the supplemental fundraiser for our upcoming documentary, Shadows in the Desert, we need more information from you. As of now, I have names and amounts, but no way to email you your podcast updates or mail out your Kickstarter rewards. Which, by the way, for those anxious to get them, will go out as soon as the final cut is burned to DVD and Blu-ray. So anyway, if you donated, shoot me an email at monstersamonguspodcast at gmail.com and include your best email address if it's not the one you're sending from, the amount you pledged, and more importantly, your USPS shipping address. And of course, a monumental thank you to everyone that supported us in any way as we inch toward completion of this picture. Shadows in the desert. High strangeness in the Borrego Triangle. While we're hard at work in post-production, I promise, and the film will be released soon. And with all of that out of the way, let's get our hands dirty. And since we find ourselves in the early days of what we call around here, the spooky season, why not begin with a good old-fashioned ghost story? And why not share a story from what many claim to be America's most haunted hotel? And here to elaborate is Audrey from the state of Oklahoma. Hi, Derek. This is Audrey from Oklahoma, and my story actually takes place in Arkansas. So this past weekend, my boyfriend and I took a trip to Eureka Springs, so that places the story just a few days uh, before I'm calling it in. We stayed in the Crescent Hotel the first night, and of course we wanted to stay there because of its famous hauntings. Uh, We did the ghost tour and got all the stories, and we went to our room and fell asleep about 11.30. I was sleeping lightly and woke up about 3.30 in the morning, Laid in bed for a little while. I was trying to fall back asleep. And a disclaimer, I was a little bit scared. <laughs> About 10 minutes after I woke up, I started hearing some sounds. And I heard a quiet but clear sound of wheels rolling ac- across a wooden floor down the hallway. And what sounded like a metal tray on top clanging with the bumps. The sound lasted for about a minute and absolutely terrified me because it matched up perfectly with one of the hotel's residual hauntings. Supposedly, the sound of a ghost nurse rolling a gurney across the now carpeted floors is is regularly heard by guests. She is the mark of a brief period of the hotel's history in the late 30s when it served as a con man's hospital where he could supposedly cure cancer, but of course no cancer was cured and when people died, their bodies were rolled out in the middle of the night snuck across the third floor where we were were staying across the then wooden floors. And apparently this nurse is still working to this day. Some people have seen her as a full body apparition that goes along with the sound, but I was too petrified to get up and go look. 
Uh, we tried a few theories of what the sound could have been made by. A rolling suitcase wasn't loud enough for me to hear. There were no room service carts, and 3.30 in the morning is way too late for room service anyway. And the other sounds on the floor, like the elevator and the ice maker, came from the other side, and I knew what those were anyway. And again, the sound I heard was clearly wheels rolling across a wooden floor, and the floor in the hallway is now carpeted. So maybe the ghost stories got the best of me, and I was a little scared awake at night. I was sure scared after it, but (laughs) that's my story. I hope you can use it. There's a lot of really interesting stories from the Crescent Hotel, so I hope you enjoy researching those. Um, Thanks for the podcast. I've been listening since the very beginning, and I love it. Look forward to it every week. Okay, have a great day. Thank you. Thank you, Audrey. Now, what do I always say about places like hotels, schools, and meeting places? That's right. Those are the places that hold on to energy. Somehow. And the Crescent Hotel, built in 1886, was ironically all three. It originated as a resort, later becoming a girls' school in the off-season, before eventually becoming the hotel that it is today. But, as Audrey mentioned, those weren't the dark days of the Crescent. In 1937, a monster purchased the building, and he opened the Baker Cancer Hospital. Baker, a vaudeville showman, inventor, and radio broadcaster, claimed that his cure was extracted from watermelon seeds. At that point, he purchased the Crescent Hotel and made it into the Baker Cancer Hospital. He used his radio station to promote and advertise his cancer treatment and his cancer hospital, and hundreds of poor dying people came. They paid Dr. Baker for treatment. That didn't work, and eventually they all died at the Crescent Hotel. Now that segment courtesy of Sean Paul on YouTube. Now, Baker would lure hundreds, if not thousands, of cancer sufferers to his sham hospital. And like Audrey said, many of them would die there. So, as if the building being a hotel, a meeting place slash resort, and a school wasn't enough, becoming a hospital will certainly seal its fate. Now, Baker was a monster indeed. He eventually died in 1958 at the age of 75, but not before doing some time. Not for grifting people out of their money or their lives, but for mail fraud of all things. And just when you think this story couldn't get more sad and gruesome, it was long rumored that old Norm would perform autopsies in a room in the basement of the Crescent. He performed these quote-unquote operations despite the fact that he had no training or medical degree or authority. It was said he would perform these autopsies on his patients that died. Apparently, the mixture of ground-up seeds and glycerin wasn't the cure-all that he had promised. But you know, it gets even more sickening from here. He performed these autopsies to remove tumors from those patients. Tumors he would go on to collect in glass jars. He then took photos of the collection and used the images in advertising, claiming them as evidence of many successful removals, rather than the post-mortem specimens they actually were. 
But those were just rumors, right? But you know there's a funny thing about rumors. Sometimes, they end up being true. Buried behind the historical Crescent Hotel in Eureka Springs, artifacts uncovered during a February landscaping project. Mike Evans says they are connected to Norman Baker, the 1930s entrepreneur and convicted swindler who claimed to have the cure for cancer. Baker used this room at what's now the Crescent Hotel as his morgue. We've tied it to Dr. Baker in many ways. They tied it back with this jar that matched those shown on Baker's poster and bottles still containing the so-called cancer treatment. We found a little formula spoon, a glass spoon in perfect condition. We found a bone saw. Some of the jars uncovered here actually included human tissue. So Bill had to make a call to the state police to ensure that they weren't digging into a crime scene. Because we knew all along that he had had these bottles with not only his uh, formulas, but also medical specimens, tumors and the such that he had taken out and put in the bottles and displayed to show people. And now those bottles are part of the Crescent Hotel ghost tour. More than 500 items were unearthed. Many are now waiting to be analyzed at the Arkansas Crime Lab. Many more still remain below the ground. That clip courtesy of KHBS and KHOG, ABC 4029 News in Northwest Arkansas. And I'll be honest, it kind of bugged me that that archaeologist uh, kept calling Baker a doctor, even though we all know he wasn't. So I don't know, Audrey. Maybe you saw those bottles. Or maybe you walked right over them. Thanks again for the story. Now I know what you're thinking out there. I have a story that would be perfect for this terrifying little program. Well, here's what you do. Call the hotline at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. Or visit the website at monstersamonguspodcast.com for more submission options. And remember, if you're out of the U.S., just record an audio file on your phone and shoot me an email. Monsters Among Us podcast at gmail.com. And hell, I guess that option's available to anyone that wants better audio quality for their submission. Okay, so this next one is a spooky one. So you might want to put the lights on. Please welcome Scott from Canada to the program. Hi, this is Scott calling from Ottawa in Canada. In Season 5, at the end of Episode 12, there was a story of someone who saw a tall, dark figure in the woods that hurt someone's dog. I saw something similar locally here. In the woods by the airport, I was walking with my dog one evening. It was just dusk. It wasn't quite dark, but just starting to get dark. And uh, all of a sudden, my dog went nuts, barking at something behind me. And when I turned to see what it was, there... On the front edge of the woods was just a patch of darkness, maybe seven, eight feet tall. It wasn't pitch black, it was just dark. It was way darker than anything than the deepest woods I could see. And it, it kind of had tendrils, or it was, it was like a flame. There was little, little misty bits coming off it. They weren't substantial enough to call them tendrils. It was like 
like a flame. And it was just there. As I was watching it, uh, about three, four more of them just, I don't know where they came from. I didn't see them come. I just, one moment, there was a whole bunch of them along the edge of the woods. And of course, I ran up. I put my dog on a leash, turned my back on it, did my best not to think about it or dwell on it, and off we went. In the same area, about the year before, I had uh, been walking along the path right where I saw those dark things, and there was an intersecting path along which came floating a 2D orb. It was about the size of a volleyball. 2D, it was flat, flat, looked almost like an eye floater or something you might see under a microscope. Like the inside, kind of fuzzy little things inside. It was beige-ish. And it just floated along the path. The weird thing is, though, it dipped. When the path dipped, when there was a bump in the path, it went up. And it just struck me as odd for something floating, why it would need to follow the ground like that. And it just went along its way. My dog didn't seem to notice it. And that was that. Anyways, love the show. Keep up the good work. Thanks. Thanks, Scott. Now, this might sound crazy, and Scott might shoot this down right away. But it is Canada where this encounter took place. So, could Scott have simply saw some bears standing on their hind legs in the tree line? I know it sounds ridiculous at first, but think about it for a moment. If the combination of distance and eyesight deterioration are just right, maybe a blurry bear is to blame. A large, black or dark brown bear standing on its hind legs could easily fit that description at a distance. Now, outside of that, as Scott mentioned, there is Jeremy's call from Season 5, Episode 12. That does sound similar, although that submission was submitted from parts unknown, so we can't exactly connect it geographically. But it's a weird one for sure, and I'll certainly keep my ears open, Scott. Thank you again for sharing the entry. And you know, uh, speaking of orbs, Cassidy from Oregon has a story that should ring familiar. Hi, Derek. I'm Cassidy. I am originally from Vernonia, Oregon. We have some creepy stuff out there sometimes. Around when I was like four or five, I would go outside and look at the stars. But one night I was with my cousins. We were all sitting on the trampoline and we see this like orb come flying across the sky in like weird diagonal looking lines. And it looked like it was getting closer. So of course me and my cousins were like, oh, it's a shooting star. So we all started making wishes. Then it started getting bigger and bigger and when we heard really loud, like it was big booms, and it sounded like almost thunder, and it was freaking us all out, so we went running, and we were in the house, and we, of course, we told our parents, and they thought, oh, you guys are just imagining things because we were so young. Keep in mind, this was like around midnight, and then we decided we were going to go back outside. This orb was looking kind of greenish with a hint of red. We ran back inside and called it a night and we all hid under the blankets. 
we've seen a lot of stuff out there. Anyway, so this won't be the last time you hear from me. Thank you. Thanks, Cassidy. And I can't say this has any bearing on Scott's call, but Cassidy's story comes to us from the Pacific Northwest, which we all know to be Sasquatch country. And I can't say I subscribe to the notion, but I've heard that orb lights or balls of light have been seen in conjunction with the big fella. So could those thuds have been footfalls? Or maybe just thunder from a nearby thunderstorm? A thunderstorm that produced the ball lightning that Cassidy and her cousin saw. Who's to say? But thank you, Cassidy, for sharing the submission. Tonight's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Does it seem like there's a block between you and your happiness? Do you struggle daily, but are unsure where to turn? Well, BetterHelp can and will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can connect in a convenient, safe, online environment and start communicating in under 48 hours. With BetterHelp, you have the option to schedule weekly video or phone sessions or message your counselor pretty much any time. Now, rest easy knowing anything you share is completely confidential. Now, BetterHelp's counselors specialize in depression, stress, anxiety, trauma, family conflicts, and a whole lot more. And the service is available worldwide, so it doesn't matter where you're listening from. And you know, this whole thing's at a more affordable price than the traditional offline counseling. And financial aid is also available if you need it. Now, I want you to start living a happier life. I want you to conquer those blocks. And as a Monsters Among Us listener, you get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at BetterHelp.com forward slash Monsters Among Us. Allow BetterHelp to offer you that lifeline. Join over 1 million people who have already taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Monsters Among Us. Now, as always, supporting our sponsors supports the show. So thanks for listening. Now, for those of you that can't read my mind, I'm thinking that it's time for a call about precognition. So, Scott from New York, please, take it away. Hey, Derek. This is Scott from Buffalo, New York. Love the podcast. I'd like to tell you about an experience I had with, well, I guess you'd call it precognition. I'm telling this one because it's concrete and there just isn't any other explanation for it that I can think of. I'm sure we've all had instances where, you know, maybe we thought of a small thing and then it happened. You know, maybe you were thinking about a song and it came on the radio. Those are probably just, you know, interesting coincidences. Well, here it is. Here's my story. This is what happened uh, in, geez, I, I think it was in 2002. Our boys were uh, young and my in-laws would watch them over the summer while my wife and I were at work. I would uh, drive to pick them up after work. And one day I was driving to my in-laws house to, to pick them up uh, after work and as I turned onto uh, their street this image popped into my head of my mother-in-law and she was on the ground you know like she was injured or had had a heart attack or something like that well I park the car and go inside and I look at my mother-in-law and she looked like she had gone 10 rounds with Mike Tyson I mean her face was scraped up. It was black and blue in places. She had this big, giant, fat lip. 
oh my God, what happened? I asked, you know, thinking about, you know, the vision I had just had in the car. Turns out she had tripped over a basketball that one of my boys had left in the driveway and she fell face first right into the you know pavement of the driveway. So there it is. That's my story. It's, you know, it's not a scary story, but it's one that did sort of freak me out at the time. Can't say that I've ever had such a solid, concrete, precognitive vision since then. And I certainly don't have any explanation for, for how or, or why it happened then. So that's it. Hope you like the story. Keep up the good work of the podcast, and I'll keep listening. Take care. Now, those are the kind of stories that make the hair in your arms stand up. And it just goes to show you how trusting your gut can sometimes be the right move. And sometimes, although the story could be quite subtle, when you think about the timing of everything, it's kind of eerie. Thanks once again, Scott, for sharing the entry. You know, you don't need precognition to support the show. You can do it easily by joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com forward slash Monsters Among Us podcast. It's $4 a month for the most popular level, and there are some 50-plus episodes there waiting for your listening pleasure. In fact, I just released our latest and quite tardy Nights at the Round Table episode there for free. Over there, the boys and I discussed the short documentary Undeparted. And again, that's free over at patreon.com forward slash Monsters Among Us podcast. And while you're there listening to the roundtable, why not consider joining a level for a month or so? See how it feels on you. And you know what? Let's go ahead and get this out of the way, too. You can also support the show by purchasing some merchandise at our store at Monsters Among Us Podcast dot com forward slash shop and breaking news we've heard your many requests for more monsters among us hoodies so today marks the beginning of a week-long pre-order for two different hoodie designs we have two designs available for pre-order in pullover and zip-up styles and we will take pre-orders now through october 2nd so head to monsters among us podcast.com forward slash shop to place those orders today and speaking of precognition you know, there might be something creepier than knowing something you shouldn't. It's when you don't know something you should. Please welcome Cassie from California to the program. Hi, Derek. I'm calling in for um, my favorite story because it gives me goosebumps every time I talk about it. My name is Cassie. This one's from, this happened in Burbank, California, probably 2013, 2014. I'm at a friend's house. It's a small house comparable to maybe a trailer double wide size wise. It's a longer house that runs the length of a property that runs against an alley and has a decent gated front yard and a large backyard, quiet neighborhood. So right inside the front door of this home, which is um, you have to go upstairs to get to the front door and right inside the front door immediately is a peninsula for the kitchen. So uh, we had two friends sitting on the far side of the peninsula in the kitchen area. And my now husband and I are sitting on the outside of the peninsula. So if you open the door, you're going to slam it into the back of us. It's super quiet in the home. We're sitting there having cocktails, not party cocktails, but like quiet, contemplative cocktails and just chatting. There's no music on, anything like that. It's just the four of us and uh, their boxer. And... We're sitting there and it's about, I would say probably midnight 
and we hear a, a knock on the door. Very audible, not no question it was a knock. And I would say four or five raps. And we all stop talking and look at each other. And uh, the owner of the home is a little jumpy and she always asks, who is it? Really loud. She insists you answer her. Uh, I tell her it's Avon every time, but she wants to know who it is before she even considers opening the door. So she perks up and asks, who is it? Really loud. And again, the size of this home, it would not be hard to hear outside. So we get no response. She asks again, and then you hear me, me, mama, mama, me, me, mama. Completely female sounding, like they're talking, but we can't make out any of the words. And it went on for a bit, kind of mumbling, like they're actually trying to communicate. And we've decided that's not anybody that we know. So we're all a little rattled and looking at each other. The dog's starting to walk towards the door. And again, she asks, who is it? And we hear the same voice again, very clearly. You can't make out what it's saying, but it's very clear. And it rambles on for a minute and then stops. And so we're all looking at each other and starting to get squirrely. And we get up and open the door, which is right next to us. And there's no one there. There's no one on the street. There's no cars driving by. There's no one walking their dog. And the porch is dark. And why that matters is because there is a very sensitive motion light on that porch. No one could have gotten all the way down their walkway and around the corner before we opened the door. And there was no one there. And again, I'm breaking out in goosebumps again. So I hope you like my story. It's one of my favorites. It still scares me and my husband refuses to talk about it to this day. I love your podcast and it's amazing that you can have nuns and priests call in rocket scientists and stoners all in one place and we all love it. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, Cassie. You know, I had a very similar experience when I was a kid. And I'm sorry to all the longtime listeners, but I'm going to retell the story again. I was probably 10 or 12 years old. It was the early 90s, and I was staying up late in the living room. Now, I was eating junk food and watching Farley, Sandler, and Spade on SNL. Now, we had just got a new couch that pulled out into a bed, so you could say that I was lounging it up. Anyway, halfway through weekend update, I hear a series of loud and rapid knocks on our aluminum screen door. A door that was just a few feet away from where I was laying. Now, mind you, we lived in the middle of nowhere, and our place wasn't exactly a welcoming sight. Now, the kicker here is that there were no windows on that side of the house, and the door, which was actually a side door, not our front door, had no windows either, just one solid piece of steel. Well, after several loud, rapid knocks, rap, 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 I leapt to my feet and darted into my parents' bedroom. Now, by the time my dad got up, pistol in hand, a testament to how odd the situation was, he found that there was no one there. And that door was 75 yards from our two-lane, middle-of-nowhere road that wound through the wooded hills of Ohio. And I can tell you, even then I knew that there was no way a car got down there and turned around and got back out without us seeing or hearing it. Now, I wasn't asleep, and I didn't dream it, but it did scare the hell out of me. And Dad actually installed a peephole in that door not too long after. 
so I think it might have rattled him too, even if he didn't actually experience the odd occurrence. So I get it, Cassie. It's one thing to have an odd experience with a stranger in public, but when they come to your front door, it's a whole nother level. Now I'm telling you folks, these stories only get more strange from here and to apply another coat to this creepy masterpiece. There's this odd one from Catherine in Washington State. Hi, Derek. This is Catherine, and I'm calling from Tacoma, Washington, which is where my story took place. So a couple years back, a really good friend of mine and I had just finished up a CPR class on a Saturday in the middle of the day. We drove to our favorite park, which we've both been going to since we were little kids, to go for a walk. We parked in front of a huge field. There's an outbuilding there where there was a wedding going on and a bathroom in the distance, a little kind of play area, picnic area. You can see kind of into the distance a little ways into this park. And we're just having a casual conversation. All of a sudden, my friend stops talking and says, oh my gosh, look at that dog. And we look across the park. This is probably about, you know, 100 plus yards away. And we see the biggest black dog ever. It, it looked like a cross between a wolf and a bear. It was giant. And it just walked with this very kind of a slouched pace. And it just looked very kind of relaxed and slouched into its walk. And it was walking right behind a woman walking a little dog on a leash. And this dog was like black and white or maybe brown and white. I don't even remember because I couldn't stop staring at this giant black dog who was walking right behind them no leash at all. And I even said to my friend, wow, who would walk a dog that size and not put him on a leash in such a public space, you know? And we were laughing about this. So about a minute goes by and we're watching them take the path towards us. Again, there's a wedding going on in this building off to our right. There's people around. Now at this moment, there wasn't anyone exactly around us, you know, but there had been passerbyers. And the woman and the dog, the two dogs, but the big black dog right behind her, come walking up towards us. They're on a path, and they're probably about, I don't know, 50 feet away at this point. And they walk behind this young cedar shrub that was probably about seven feet tall. And my friend goes, wait, where'd they go? Is there a wall there or something? Because it could have almost looked like an optical illusion where they could have walked behind a wall, but not exactly. And I said, no, they're right there. They're about to go behind this shed, which was next to the building off to our right. And I'm laughing because I'm saying, no, they're right there. They're about to go behind the shed. And my friend kept saying, no, they're not. They, they're gone. They went behind a wall. And for these few seconds, I'm watching them go behind the shed where my friend had thought that they had already disappeared. Now, in just a couple more seconds, we really have to know what happened to them. So we pull out of the parking spot really quickly and drive probably about 35 seconds to get from the parking spot to a place where we could see behind the shed that the woman and two dogs had just walked behind, and they were completely gone. Now, it, there's nowhere where these three could have gone. 
again, there was a wedding going on. We would have seen them walk around. We had full visibility of everywhere in that area. It was the middle of the day. It wasn't like it was at night. Nothing was out of the ordinary except for we saw them disappear at slightly different times. And when we pulled around to find them, they were gone. So there's nowhere they could have gone. The only place that was even maybe a hiding spot was inside of the shed, which was padlocked from the outside. Again, there was absolutely nowhere for them to have gone. So we've returned back to this place multiple times. We've timed our situation to see how long it took to get from the parking spot over to this other area where we could have a, you know, even more of a full view. And still, we have no explanation for this. I've looked into history of this park. We've looked into what black dogs mean. We have no idea what happened that day. But what we both know is that clear as day, we saw this giant black dog following a woman wearing like a black jacket, walking a smaller dog on a leash. And they disappeared at slightly different times for us, but they definitely disappeared. And just to clarify, there is no wall where my friend saw them disappear. It's just that shrub right there. So we're not sure exactly why they disappeared in different spots for us, but that's what happened. I would love any insight from anyone on this show or if you've heard a story similar to this. I've heard other black dog stories. It seems like they always have glowing red eyes or they're ominous and scary. And we didn't feel anything similar to that from this experience. But man, let me tell you, that dog was the biggest dog we both have ever seen or will ever see in our entire lives. Its back came up past the woman's waist. It was gigantic. So any insight would be great. Thank you so much for doing this show. Appreciate you. Have a great day. Wow. Thank you, Catherine. That's a lot to unpack. Well, the presence of a strange black dog or phantom black dog as they're often referred to in the UK, can mean one of many things. Some claim they're protectors or bringers of luck or fortune. Others claim they're a sign of pending doom, the devil himself, or even an omen of the witness's death. So based on that, Catherine's experience could be good or bad, depending on her beliefs. But the detail of the creature disappearing... It's much more difficult to research. But despite that tall order, I did manage to find several black dog experiences that conclude with the animal simply vanishing. Now, the following example is from the old television program, Animal X. We met up with this man, Ivan Bann, a folklore expert who's collected more than a hundred reported sightings of the ghostly canines. One of his most fascinating cases involves a coast guard at a beach in Norfolk. Graham Grant was on duty at dawn 25 years ago when he noticed a huge black dog with a shaggy coat walking along the sand. He said it appeared to be searching for something, not like an ordinary dog, but as though it had a higher purpose. Its paranormal origin was confirmed when it disappeared into thin air. Now I couldn't find any information on these things appearing or disappearing with a human companion. But that is where I turn to you, eager listener. Like Catherine said, if you have some info on the subject, feel free to reach out via the countless virtual methods. 
but email is best. Thanks again, Catherine, for sharing that head-scratcher. I told you there's a lot to get to. We still have several more. But before we get to those stories, I have a bit of bad news. Previously, I was scheduled to attend this year's Crypticon in Lexington, Kentucky, November 20th and the 21st. Unfortunately, due to COVID concerns, I will not be traveling this fall. But the folks over at Crypticon are still putting on a great event. So if you are in the area and you are able, I highly encourage you to check it out. Now we're severely disappointed that we can't attend this year, but as soon as things feel safe out there, you'll be able to find us at many more events. And here to take us to the home stretch is Gabriel from the Sunshine State of Florida. Hello, my name is Gabriel. I live in St. Augustine, Florida, the oldest city in the United States. Two years ago during the wintertime, I went to go visit my daughter in Cape Coral, Florida. And this is one of those, I guess you could call glitch in the system kind of things. I was walking down the street, it's a place I used to live, and I was walking down Del Prado Boulevard, just listening to my music on my phone. And I see this gentleman ride by on a bicycle, you know, flip-flops, shorts, t-shirt, carrying a bunch of Walmart bags, and a green John Deere hat. So he passes by me and waves, and I think nothing of it. So I walk maybe about half a block, and I'm walking down one side of the road to the left of me. There's no back street there, so there's no way to turn around and come back down the same side of the street. And I see him start riding towards me again. And this is the weird thing because there was no way for him to get back in front of me after I've watched him pass me. And he rides by, same guy, same Walmart bags, makes the same hand gesture at me, like it was the first time he saw me again. So I keep walking and I'm, I think this is just very weird. And I maybe walk for maybe about five more seconds and then I turn around and I look behind me and he's gone. There was nowhere he could have turned off within five seconds. Weird. That's the only time that something like that's ever happened. Just, it was like a repeat. It was just very confusing. This is my first time, you know, talking about it. I listened to one of your previous episodes where a gentleman was talking about a uh, tree that became pixelated for a second. Everything down to the way he was moving, the way his hand gesture, everything was just identical in the same position to what he did earlier and he didn't look at me like he just passed me he looked at me like you know there was the first time seeing he was just very very peculiar love the show and i will um leave a couple more voicemails of some of the other weird experiences i've had thank you for your time thanks gabriel i've actually spent a little time in and around saint augustine when i was a kid i remember it being a nifty little town I think I even have some extended family that still lives there today. That's a historical place for sure. But at any rate, I think what Gabriel is talking about is referred to as a glitch in the Matrix. Obviously a reference taken from the film franchise. But essentially it is what it sounds like. It's the theory that we are living in a computer simulation. And a repeated image such as the man on the bike is a symptom of a glitch or hiccup in the simulation or something like that 
Now, Gabriel's experience isn't the only glitch story I have in my library, so I promise we'll circle back to this one later on. Thanks again, Gabriel, for sharing. Tonight's episode is also brought to you by Simply Safe. Now, there's big news from my favorite home security company. Simply Safe just launched their new wireless outdoor security camera. You know, Simply Safe, the system that U.S. News and World Report named best home security system of 2021. Now, this brand new outdoor security camera is engineered with all the advanced tech and security features you want and need to help keep you and your family safe. Now, the security camera has an ultra wide field of view, great for keeping watch over your entire yard. It also has 1080p HD resolution with an 8x zoom, so you'll be able to see things like faces, license plates, and maybe even Sasquatch, clearly enough to capture critical evidence. Now the setup is quick and easy, and it has a built-in spotlight and color night vision, so you'll be able to keep an eye on what's going on day and night. You never know, you might just capture something spooky on that camera. Well, if you do, you know where to send it. So to learn more about the exciting new Simply Safe wireless outdoor security camera, visit simplysafe.com/monstersamongus. What's more, Simply Safe is celebrating this new camera by offering 20% off your entire new system, and your first month of monitoring service is free when you enroll in interactive monitoring. Now again, that's simplysafe.com/monstersamongus. Now, as always, supporting our sponsors supports the show. So thank you for listening, and back to the things that go bump in the night. Well, at long last, our ghoul-haunted journey is near an end. Because here with tonight's final entry is Colin from the Keystone State. Hey, this is Colin from Philadelphia. I am a new listener. I've been binging it. I love the show. I kind of have a weird one. I don't want to say it's an abduction story because I don't firmly believe that, but it it could be. Um, This all happened in Philadelphia in 2017 when I was living in Point Breeze, um, which is a neighborhood in South Philly. Um, I was living with three other guys at the time, um, and I was in college in art school. And it started in uh, February. Um, That February, we had an extremely hot season. It was like 70 degrees in February, um, you know, thanks global warming. And I remember we were sitting on our roof and we had like a rooftop deck and the guys I was living with were, you know, kind of frat bro I'm more art school. So we got along, but, you know, they would make fun of you and tease you a little bit. It was all in good fun. And we were sitting there and I look over and I see this orange orb just hovering above a couple of buildings. It was too high to be like fire or anything like that. And as soon as I looked at it, it kind of just like a fire, just like whipped into a flame and like phased away. It was really strange. And it just happened in a split second. It was too high to be like fire from a chimney or a building. And like I said, I didn't smell any fire or anything like that. So I'm not too sure what that was. So later that night, I'm at a friend's house. We were drinking, you know, having a little bit of a party and uh, in Center City and I decided to go home. So I Ubered home and I decided to sober up because I I don't like going to bed a little drunk. So I sobered up and took a shower and I went to bed. I'm a pretty heavy sleeper. I usually don't wake up a lot. I do have 
crazy vivid dreams all the time. But again, they're just dreams. You know, some are spooky, some are normal, but it, it doesn't really affect my sleep too much. But this particular night, I woke up um, and it felt like I was dropped on my bed and my bed was creaking like like I jumped on it or something. And I landed kind of face down. Now, I usually sleep on my side. I mean, it, it didn't feel like I like rolled over on my face. Uh, it, it felt like I was dropped or I jumped and my arms were held close to my chest. So... It was just really strange, and it, and it was like, boom, and like I just like jolted and woke up, and I was like, whoa. And I, I quickly looked at my phone, and it was 5.45 a.m., and I was kind of just like, that was really strange. You know, like it just felt like like I just landed on my bed, and I was like, okay, weird. Um, I didn't really think much of it, and I, I went back to bed. The next day, I woke up, and it was a Saturday, and I was talking to my one roommate, and his room is right next to mine or adjacent. And he was like, yo, did you hear this really loud bang in the morning? And I was like, no. And he was like, it sounded like, like a bomb went off, like the suit's boom. And I was like, hmm. I didn't tell him what went on. Because maybe I was like, oh, maybe I sleptwalk and jumped on my bed and hit the wall. But I, I don't have a history of sleepwalking um, that I know of. And I don't know. I was just like, whatever. I, I don't know. And then the following couple of days, I kept waking up at 5.45 a.m. like repeatedly. And I was like, this is really weird. And... Throughout that week, strange things were happening. That house never had any paranormal activity before, but all of a sudden, lights were turning off and on when I'd walk by them. We would hear creaking noises happening. The TV off and on when I walked by or when I entered the room. And my roommates were kind of getting freaked out because it seemed to be surrounding me. And they were like, dude, what the hell? And I've never had a history of any paranormal things happening. I've seen ghosts and that's another story. The only thing that's happened throughout my life is that street lights will turn off when I drive or walk under them occasionally, usually in times of high stress. So I don't know what that means. <laughs> it, it, but it was really strange. Like it's all this stuff was going on. But the strange part was that it, it, it followed me to school. So I was, you know, um, in my senior year and I was going to school in the center city, like I said, art school. Um, and I had my own studio and again, lights were flickering and turning off and on. And it, it just, it, it was spooky. But it, I it never felt like scared or like there was bad energy around me. It just felt more like just, uh, just kind of electrical anomalies. But it was happening too much to be a coincidence. It wasn't like faulty wiring. The house we lived in was pretty uh, recently renovated. So, I mean, it was an older house, but I, I mean, I think they like revamped all the electrical uh, equipment. I don't know. And I don't know the property either. I don't live there anymore. But then, so the craziest part, I would say, and the part that freaks me out the most is one night. Um, and like I mentioned before, I take showers at night. I don't know. I just feel like I need to wash the day off and go to sleep. So one night I was ready to take a shower, took off my clothes and looking at myself in the mirror. And I looked at my back and there was these dots on my back, tiny red dots. Um, and I felt them. They did not itch. They did not burn. I didn't even, I couldn't feel them. I just saw them. They were flat. Like, so they weren't like acne or bug bites or maybe like an impression on my skin. It was just, they were flat. Like, and they were in this weird geometric pattern, like two dots one above the other and then a dot kind of in the middle of where they would be and then two dots above and it was kind of like a sequence starting where my spine is and then going to the left and it was really strange and they were bright like they were bright red and pretty clear and I, they were too like conveniently placed to be like I said a bug bite or an acne and 
and there wasn't any chairs I was sitting in to like create that impression on my skin. And it, it was really kind of scary. <laughs> it freaked me out. And um, I do have photos of it. So I will, I'll send those in the email after this call. So I was like, oh, okay. You know, the next day they were still there, but they started to fade. Um, and then they faded out and faded out, and faded out. And I was like, okay, weird. Okay. Creepy. But as they faded, the electrical phenomena around me did, did go away. So I was like, maybe it was just an all coincidence in my head. I don't know. But throughout this whole ordeal, I continued to wake up at 5.45 a.m. every morning. And I, I would know because when I woke up, I would check my phone to see what time it was, if I had to go to school. And it, it, it was weird. So, you know, I didn't think much of it. I, it kind of stopped after a while. And then I went home for Easter. My parents live right outside of Philly, 45 minutes away. So, I mean, I could do day trips, but I did spend the weekend because I had my brothers coming home. And again, Friday night into Saturday morning, same thing. I woke up the same way like I did months earlier, like boom, like I landed. But this time I was at my parents' house and I was like, okay, what the hell? <laughs> like, th this is the second time this has happened to me in a new house. Maybe I am sleepwalking. I don't know. And the next morning I woke up, asked my parents if, if I was running around, if they heard anything. Everyone said no. My brother, who shares the room next to me, didn't hear anything. It's like, whatever. But then that weekend, again, the electrical stuff started happening. TV on and off, lights, boom, the neighbor's lights, like the, the neighbors across the street, their lights were flickering like outside their house. And my parents were like, this was not happening until you came home. Or like she blamed all of us uh, because we all kind of came home and it was really kind of strange. And I, and I was like, okay. So that night I checked again and the dots were again back on my back. They, they showed up again. And I was like, okay, this is too weird. So I did some research. I was like geometric dots on skin. And I mean, I, a lot of people were saying, you know, alien abductions, uh, they've been visited. It's an injection site, um, aliens probing you. I'm not necessarily, I don't, I don't completely buy that because I don't know. I, it, it just seems a little too out there, but again, I have no idea. So as the anomaly, electric anomaly, paranormal stuff faded, so did the dots. And so it only happened to me twice in that span. So I would say this is 2017 from February until Easter. So within a span of two months, like I said, you know, <laughs> the alien theory comes from me just doing research online. I've seen some like the alien Reddit, you know, people posted something similar or other kind of dots on the skin in a certain pattern a little bit more severe than mine were. Mine were kind of four or five to six dots at a time, but just kind of spaced apart in a weirdly specific shape. I will send those in the email um, so you can see what I'm talking about. I've stopped waking up at 5.45 a.m. I never saw that orange thing again, that orange orb. I don't know if that was connected or uh, I'm not too sure. I, I believe it is. So I'd love your insight. Uh, again, I love the podcast. Thank you so much and uh, keep up the great work. Um, have a good one. Bye. Thank you, Colin. Those are certainly some strange experiences. But as for the theory that these odd occurrences were the result of, or perhaps symptoms of, an alien abduction experience, well, that sort of checks out. According to a Roper poll conducted all the way back in 1991, some 3.7 million Americans have already experienced some sort of unwanted alien contact. Now, it is worth noting that near 99% of these alleged abductees do not report their experience. 
and it's also worth noting that the poll conducted in the 90s, arranged by former abduction researcher Bud Hopkins, has been deemed inaccurate by many publications, including but not limited to the Skeptical Inquirer. But honestly, how would either of those parties begin to know? And despite these large numbers being tossed around, it seems that little is known about this phenomenon, if it actually occurs at all. But many skeptics out there believe this to be a fairly new concept, something dreamt up in the 80s or early 90s by Whitley Strieber and Robert Stack. But that's not exactly true either. In fact, this week marks a milestone. Sixty years ago this week, the event many refer to as the first contemporary alien abduction case occurred on a lonely stretch of New Hampshire Highway. On the late evening of September 19, 1961, husband and wife Betty and Barney Hill were, were driving home from their honeymoon in Niagara Falls when they saw a strange craft hovering above the road ahead of them. Now Barney pulled to the side of the road for a better look, and that's when the strange light began floating toward them. Now here is what happened directly from Betty Hill herself. As featured on the 1978 vinyl release, factual eyewitness testimony of UFO encounters. When we reached what is called the Indian Head area, this craft left the top of the mountain, came out of the highway, and stopped in midair. Barney took the binoculars and started out of the car in an attempt to identify the craft. And as he did this, he saw a group of figures standing in the windows looking down at him. One was saying to him, don't be afraid, keep looking, keep looking, stay there, don't be afraid, no harm's going to come to you, but stay there. And the craft started to descend. And Barney ran back to the car, saying we had to get out of there, they were going to capture us. And we took off speeding down the highway. Now the next thing the hills can recall, they finally come to driving down the highway many, many miles from the location of their encounter. Neither of them could recall what had happened or how they had got there. Now, several months had passed, and the hills just can't shake the strange experience. Barney was suffering from strange headaches. The couple became tense and agitated, and they found it near impossible to sleep. And that's when they turned to a Boston psychiatrist by the name of Benjamin Simon. And that's when all these memories came flooding back. We relived where the ones on the craft were now on the ground, blocking so we couldn't drive. Body put on the brakes, the car motor died. They separated, came up on each side, took us out, took us in a path through the woods, took us on board, gave us physical examinations. We were being kidnapped. The leader, I would say, was my height, or just a little taller than I am, and I'm five foot. They all had dark uniforms. I shouldn't say uniform. All had a one-piece dark clothing on. And some were wearing jackets, and some were wearing caps, others were not. They were bald, no hair, no eyebrows, no eyelashes, and no earlobes, no ear, you know, we could say. Very large eyes, very small flat nose, thin slit for a mouth. 
I was shown a star map. When he showed me the map, he said, do you know where you are on the map? And I said, no, I don't. So I assume he meant our sun and planets. He also said the heavy lines on the map were places they went all the time. The lighter lines were places they went occasionally or frequently. The broken lines were expeditions. And of course, our own sun system was a place where they go frequently or occasionally. Now what's wild is that Betty and Barney, although hypnotically regressed separately, delivered near-identical stories. And that star map that Betty was shown, although it made little sense in 1961, it was later realized to be Zeta-1 and Zeta-2 reticuli, a star system barely visible to the naked eye. And get this, the Air Force confirmed that something unexplained did register on radar in that same area on that same night of the Hills experience. But for some, 60 years is a long time. Both Betty and Barney are gone now. But it seems that the phenomena continues. And maybe, just maybe, Colin is a member of this elite club. So put your pajamas on backwards, Colin. I'm afraid that's the best advice I can give you. Thank you again for sending in that terrifying entry. And that's going to do it for this episode. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Sarah Carter Hayes and Addie Lloyd. All audio used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. Keep the party rolling by following us on social media. Find us at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you love the show, please do me a solid and leave me a five-star review and a couple kind words. You have no idea how much a simple review could help the show grow. And lastly, the terrifying score that you hear this evening. That's Code.ag Music and Carl Casey and White Bat Audio. Thank you so much for listening. And until next week. Well, it's officially fall, and that means it's officially spooky season. So I'm going to put this right here. You tell me, what did Africa and her mother see down in Florida? Hi, Derek. My name is Africa. I live in Florida at the moment. This story goes back from when I was a kid. My mom said it was in fifth grade, sixth grade, something like that. My mom and I both witnessed a really weird event that I can't... Exactly. We both can't explain, like, to this day. It happened when we lived out in uh, Milton, Florida. Real small town, like, kind of like Booney kind of-ish. We lived in, like, more of the rural, but not, like, super rural. We were going out to see my friend at her grandmother's house. 
about five, six o'clock at night. It was pouring down rain, you know, typical Florida weather. And my mom and I were driving. She flipped her headlight and I saw this thing out of the corner of my eye, like on the right hand side in the passenger seat. And it was just this quick, like in a flash. I couldn't even explain it. And it was just darker than night itself. I mean, it was pitch black outside on top of it. And I remember seeing this thing go by and I like blinked a couple times. And I turned to my mom and said, did you see that? She was like, see what? And so like two more minutes goes by as we're driving down this long stretch of road near like the East Tanglewood complex of buildings. And the next thing I know is I see this thing go over the hood of the car, like flying, and it's like pitch black. And my mom, she had just flipped her brights again, and it swoops over the car, and it is longer than the hood of her car. And she had like an SUV at the time, and I think it was the Trailblazer or the Saturn, one of the two, and it was huge. It had this big wingspan, and I keep thinking to myself, like to this day, like, was it a bird? And I couldn't think of anything that was going to be darker than night with no, like, I couldn't even see its eyes or its head. I just saw this big, massive wingspan. And it swoops over the hood of her car in front of her from the driver's side over to my side, swoops around the right-hand side of the car, passenger side, around, over the hood again, and back up, like, straight up in the air. My mom and I were like, oh, my God. And I said to her, did you see it that time? And as comedic and, like, convenient as that line was, like, we were genuinely terrified. And I asked my mom this morning, I said, hey, do you remember that? And she was like, I could never forget it. I think of it all the time. It still kind of shakes me to this day. It was probably one of the weirdest things. And I'm an avid, like, cryptid kind of gal. I believe in the paranormal UFOs. I've had my own alien sightings. UFO experiences, paranormal experiences, the whole nine. But I've never seen anything like that. And every part of me wants to think maybe it was the Mothman. But I don't think this was the case, whatever it may have been. Thank you for your time. And I love your podcast. I'm a fairly new listener. So thank you. I hope you guys have a good one and stay safe. Well, that's a good one, Africa. Thank you. Now, based on the similarities between Africa's experience and those reported by past witnesses of the phenomenon known as the Mothman, I kind of want to agree with Africa's theory. The size, shape, and behavior are all consistent with other reports that I've heard over the years. Though, like her, I have a hard time believing that that could be true. For starters, I could find no legitimate Mothman sightings from the Sunshine State and going by the assumption that the Mothman is, in fact, as suspected, a harbinger of doom. I was unable to tie in any well-known tragedies in the area. But that said, I do not know what year this took place. And it's a fact that Milton in the greater Pensacola area has seen its fair share of hurricanes. So I suppose it's possible the creature was there to predict one of these destructive storms. Or did Africa and her mother simply see one of the many birds they call the Panhandle home? A very oddly behaving bird, I suppose. Thanks again, Africa, for sharing the entry. And thank you for sticking around to the end of the program. Have a good night. <laughs>